Get a jump start on 2024 in a new Kia from Robert Brogdon's Olathe Kia. Shop their large selection, including the new Sorento, Nero, and Soul models. You'll score big with low prices, trade assist cash, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit OlatheKia.com. He's just what you'd expect for a man who covers sports. Six foot four, two hundred fifty pounds, uh, wiry. But he does know Kansas City sports as well as anyone. He's Kansas City Star columnist Sam McDowell on the program. Yes, he is Sam McDowell. He's live in person on Radio Row. I'm Todd Lebo. We're down here at Radio Row in lovely. Is this lovely Las Vegas? It's rainy. Las Vegas. Yeah, it's not lovely this week. Did you see the sun earlier? Like Sunday, I did not. maybe? You haven't uh, seen oh, the sun? Er- earlier this week. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. since Sunday. Not since Sunday. I, I think yesterday for like a, a little smidge. bit. Yeah. We saw uh, we saw the sun several times. We were flying in yesterday. We had to circle about three times because the president was here, and then we we went into the sun and out of the sun, and then since we saw it a few times, and then by the time we landed, the clouds had come into Las Vegas, and it's been raining and like really weird. It's not exactly Chamber of Commerce weather down here, but if you're Chiefs fans and you're coming here, it don't matter. They're playing football I think inside. It's supposed to be fine by the weekend. It'll be fine. Um, it's not going to be 75 degrees though. Bring your jacket. Everyone's got a Chiefs sweatshirt, right? They're all good to go. It, it should be fine. It is, last time I looked, Sam, going to be a few degrees warmer every day in Kansas City than it is here. I know. Which is just weird. Yes. I complained about that two weeks ago and every day since. Every single day since then. Sam McDowell is here. We are on Radio Row. Let's talk some Chiefs. Since I saw you last night, you've had a couple of chances to talk to Chiefs because we were both at opening night, but then you were over at the, at the team hotel today yep. with more availability. Nothing Andy Reid likes more than more availability. Were you there when he got asked the question about uh, the conspiracy of Taylor Swift? I wasn't. Uh, God, it's about damn time you got asked that I question, I mean, it's right? about time. You don't have the guts to ask that question. And I'm the shock jock. Right. And, I, and, and you I'm, don't have the guts to ask I don't that even question. have the guts to ask the question. What a wild world. I mean, we're, we're kind of in our, our own little zone when we're out there at the Chiefs. We have... 10, 15, 20 people, and yeah. we kind of get used to who does what. They should do this before the season because their appreciation for us would grow immensely by the time the season started. There's no question. They'd be like, this ain't so bad. Yeah. I haven't gotten asked anything about like yeah. geopolitics or something like that. Somebody was telling me last night that uh, at, at opening night, um, just to give people kind of a flavor for it, like they used to call it media night. The opening night is a much better name for it because it's not yeah. about the media. Um, but that you know they've got a lot of young first year players on this team you know defensive some defensive guys um we're asking some of the older guys about what to expect on opening night and uh somebody had said well you'll you'll see some of the local guys too i mean some of the local media nick bolton was like if you can find them yeah they're not easy and that's how it is. I mean, it's a circus out there. So I told this story this morning on uh, the Border Patrol, but I was over there trying to talk to Kadarius Tony because I finally found him, and I just wanted to ask him. What could you possibly ask him? Yeah. What was this about? Anyway, there's a kid from Nickelodeon who's probably very famous and probably makes five times as much money as me. I have no idea. He's a kid, nine, ten years old. He's probably going to be on the Super Bowl broadcast on Nickelodeon. 
Probably a sideline reporter. I don't know. He could be. I haven't even thought enough to look him up to see how famous he is. But he's standing there. They have five people. Uh, here's me. I have my own two phones. I'm doing video and audio at the same time. I'm, you know, one man band this thing. This kid's got like six people around him, a couple of cameras. And he comes up to Kadarius Tony, and they say to Kadarius Tony, you talk to this kid. Of course, he's going to smile and talk to him. He asks him something. And then the kid looks up at the guy across the way, his producer, and the guy goes, ask him what it was like to play in Europe. And the kid goes, what was it like to play in Europe? And Kadarius Tony said it. And he looked at him again, ask him what it was like to score a touchdown. And he did, it just looked, and like when this gets edited together on Nickelodeon, right. it'll be whiz bang weeks. So then I thought to myself, um, I'm waiting for this nine-year-old to get done so I can possibly ask Darius Coney a question about any controversy from IG Live and, you know, is he hurt or not? And uh, I thought, is my job worse or is the guy telling the kid the questions <laughs> the worst job? I don't know. Which? What would you say? The other guy. That's the um, worst job? Yes, yes. Feeding no question. question. But no question. how much more money is that guy making than me too? I don't know. 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 But that was one of my wildest uh, uh, opening night things that I've seen. I've seen it. I mean, there was some weird stuff last night. Uh, Guillermo from Jimmy Kimmel was running around getting yeah. his belly signed by people. I've seen. Carrot Top is here for some reason. Why isn't he? Well, I mean, he, he performs at Luxor. So okay. and that's just connected to here. Okay. And, so uh, had him come down from his hotel room. Yeah. And the Blue Men were there last night getting pictures taken. The Blue Man yeah. Group, which is it's, it's a fascinating show to watch. I'm sure it is, but. The five minutes that they produced for opening night was the first time I've ever witnessed a musical act and thought, hey, I could do that. Uh, yeah, you just beat on the little uh, I PBCs? I could do that, yeah. Now, when they start throwing marshmallows 30 feet and you catch them in your mouth, maybe that's outside your realm. I don't know. But it is it is something to see. Vegas is Vegas. I'm sure most people listening have been here at some point in their lives. When you come to Vegas, you generally get to a poker room in the dark yeah. and just take people's money. This is different, though, out here doing all Absolutely. this Absolutely. I mean, I hope maybe, you know, once everything, all of our work is is put to bed on like late Friday or Saturday, I'll get to do that. But look, I mean, this without a doubt is, you know, your business, like it's, it's without a doubt my busiest week of the year. Um, very little sleep, uh, lots and lots of work, but you're working on, working on the absolute biggest game of the year. I mean, it's just like, it's sort of what, why you get into this profession. Yeah. I mean, I don't quote unquote root for the local teams, but if you root for yourself, and part of rooting for yourself is to cover games like these, big stories and big games and all exactly, that stuff. Yeah. So it is a lot of fun that way. Your guys, like we're, we're tomorrow morning. It's pretty early out here. It's eight a.m. Eight a.m. Yeah, for Chiefs practice availability, not practice. One person gets to watch practice. There's some pool reporter that watches part of practice. I guess yeah. who is that this year? Do you know, I don't know who it is this year. Uh, you know, Herbie Teope did it for us. Um, Last year or two years ago. I know he did it during the COVID year. Um, That person has to do a lot of thankless work because it's sort of an invitation. Look, one person goes to practice and does interviews the coach and does a report about what practice was like. And that person... it's just an invitation for everyone else to uh, why didn't you ask this to plagiarize his work too though <laughs> like yeah you question the work he didn't do but you plagiarize the work he did do it's it's a it's a bit of an, a, an unusual setup for sure yeah, it is but this is fun and I've I've come to the first ever radio row I was at was the 99 Rams that was in Atlanta and it was in a room one thirtieth the size of this and we were literally all crammed together. There was a lot of radio stations there. 
and it's gotten bigger and crazier every single year since then, except the COVID year was really a weird thing. And they've made opening night bigger and crazier because I remember, I think the next year we went to opening night. I didn't get there. and We went to opening night for that one. That was the Titans, yeah. And the, the one weird thing I saw that opening night was David Blaine was there blowing people's minds with card tricks, and I thought that was something. See, I, I would prefer that to the Blue Man group. Yeah, it was cool. And uh, you want to talk about, like, some real reactions, some crazy uh, card show stuff. But now that I think about it, that's like 25 years ago. Then David Blaine has moved on from card tricks, and now he just tries to freeze himself or something. Those tricks aren't as good for me. I'd rather watch. I don't watch the card tricks. I agree. The magical card tricks. Sam McDowell from the Kansas City Star is our guest here on Radio Row. We are in... I guess we're somewhere in the bowels of the convention center of the Mandalay Bay. Let's talk a little Chiefs and kind of anything that you've gleaned over these last couple of availabilities. I know there's a lot of weird stuff that we talked about, but anything you're looking for or looking to learn over the next few days about kind of this game or the situation that's that's coming up here on Sunday between these two teams? Yeah, I mean, I, I've actually sort of oddly spent, uh, I mean, look, I'm working on a lot of feature stuff that um, some of it I've already posted and other stuff that's coming later this week. Um, but, like, in the weeds of football stuff, I've, I've done a lot, oddly, of looking back this week because... Um, just chatting with some people inside the organization, and it's pretty evident they feel their most important game of the season was that Christmas Day game. It, I have look, I've been on the beat since eighteen. I've never seen them play worse. Yeah, and uh, Brett Veach even told me last night he doesn't think they're here without that game. And he said, if you know, he goes, if we squeak by in that game, it's just okay. Let's just put that one behind us. And when they lost that game, like you had to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And some of their ways of dealing with it were, people told me that their very next practice that game was on a Monday, um, so they, they practiced just two days later, and they did a walkthrough the next day, and that you could tell immediately. And that was a test for the organization to see, more so for the locker room, I think, than the organization, just to see, is this group going to stick together? Are they going to start blaming one another? Because defense certainly should have and could have blamed the offense for that day. Yeah. And Literally I, 14 points. Yeah. Here, have these. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, I mean, God, guys, we, we did our jobs in this game. Um, but also just, you know, more schematically, there were definitely a lot of changes offensively, and it's simplifying the verbiage in the huddle. That yeah, started at the very beginning. Um, like, just can we get from point A to point B? And I'm not talking about moving the ball. I'm talking about can we get from this little circle yeah. to lining 11 yeah. people up? Joe Blameyer, who's their pass game coordinator, I chatted with last night, and he said that the mindset after that game was let's make the stuff after the snap the hardest part of football, not the 30 seconds before it. Mm-hmm. And that I just thought that was the perfect the perfect way to put it. How do you think they got to the point where it was too complicated? Is it is it the trying to do too new much. faces? Yeah, or I is think, it or is it like that was hey we could do that in 2019 or 20 because everyone knew everything. I think I think some of it is uh, trying to trick a defense when maybe you don't have to trick the defense. Maybe your guys are just good enough to beat the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that is goes a lot into the simplification. Is let's let's not have all this stuff going on to to trick the defense and, and to think that we're doing something else. How about we just line up and play? Yeah, it's uh, and it's it looks like it's worked. I remember our big conversation probably for the the last month of the regular season was, all right, the Chiefs have four games. If they win them all, will you have learned anything? And they they weren't super impressive at anyone. But I think you're right. The loss 
really made them have to do something. Yeah. And to be beyond that, actually, if you were to rank their most important games of the season, I think that's number one. Um, it is incredible how many people you talk to that believe that the Week 18 finale yeah. beating the Chargers. Dave Tope said it at oh, the he podium. He said it at the podium. Um, last week, I talked to other people last night who – absolutely believe that and the reason they believe it is because it was a physical game they mm-hmm. said in the trenches and that they had to that there was the sort of way they were going to have to play in the playoffs even if it wasn't the certain personnel they're going to have to yeah. play with and well, I think a lot of those third, guys still play just when the star guys right yeah, there's a lot and, of these out there and i think the third most important game of the season was the lions and the reason being with that one is because this was a team that I think the questions for every Super Bowl champion is, do you realize that you're not good enough in week one? Mm-hmm. Do you realize you're going to have to be better in week 18 than you are in week one? The Chiefs learned right away, you're not good enough in week one to, Step to, one, to go win it again. Can we get Chris Jones to come in here and play? Right. That was right. one of the yeah. steps. Step two, and, and I, I don't know. I mean, Kadarius Tony's been such a kind of a lightning rod player. It's such a bad game week one. And, of course, Andy Reid said, hey, listen, you know, that was my fault. He still wasn't completely healed from his knee and all that. And fans are like, well, your knee's not attached to your hands. You know I mean? Yeah. All that kind of stuff. I, they've had so many of these really interesting games that have happened and storylines from all these games that people just kind of forget about because I think a lot of Chiefs fans are like, can we fast forward to the postseason? Is this a one seed or two seed or we yeah. you know do whatever? But this has been probably as fascinating a regular season as they've had. I think that I think what you just said is why they they, they go out and play a game like they did against the Raiders is because I think it's human nature for the players to think we're playing for the postseason. You know, this team's been in the AFC championship game at that point five straight years. Mm-hmm. And you say what we care about is not the week fourteen game against the Raiders team that's not going to go into the playoffs. But the reason they had to focus on the pre-snap stuff after that game wasn't just because it was a mess. It was because that game basically told them, guys, you struggled with this at home with your home crowd. You're gonna have to now that you lost that game. You're gonna have to go on the road, yeah, and do that in the playoffs. And it's not just getting it cleaned up so that you're good enough to play at Arrowhead Stadium, but playing in Buffalo and Baltimore, like it had to take some extra attention because the Chiefs, in that sense, were gonna have to do something they hadn't done before, and therefore, like all that pre-snap stuff becomes a, a hell of a lot more difficult than it does, you know, at Arrowhead Stadium. We're talking to Sam McDowell, the Kansas City Starbar on Radio Row, Super Bowl 58 coverage here in lovely Las Vegas. Sam, you know, one of the things that Travis Kelsey said, I think maybe two weeks ago on his podcast, was talking about flipping the switch and, hey, maybe, you know, some rando game in November. Didn't say rolling your hats out there, but you can't get up for that. And I think it's that's some honesty out of him. He's 34 it years is, old. Yeah. He's done this and it's true. a lot. Okay. Um, the coaches can't be that way, and I don't think there's any way Andy Reid lets anyone be that way. There's no half-assing yeah. pre- preparation yeah. for a game. And, and, and to the opposite, sorry to interrupt, but just the opposite, Andy, you won't see Andy Reid tre- saying that this is a bigger game. We all know it is. And, and You won't see him say it. You won't see him say it. And that, I think, is what is so frustrating, maybe for us, because right. you want some juicy quote, right, right. you want to say something, but it's what works so well yes. that he makes this game just be like not a preseason game. I think those are a little bit obviously because you don't play all the players but dude I don't know you're playing the Browns in September whatever this is that's the that's the way to go about doing this yes because 
Look, football is all about putting your opponent in unfamiliar territory and uncomfortable positions. His routine and his regimen is all about putting people in the the familiar, putting them in comfortable zones. And the Chiefs really have treated this week. I mean, the the one exception was earlier this week. I mean, I think it was Monday. They they practiced with pads on Mm -hmm. just because it was like, you know, should have played a game yesterday. Um, So... A little bit of an interesting twist, particularly with what's been going on with the 49ers and their practices this week. Yeah. Um, I, I think Andy just knows what he's doing, and it comes from years and years of it. And, and I might would, have some of this down. <laughs> I would like, and I don't know if we ever get, like, true, real, super honesty out of him. I don't think he's changed a lot of stuff over those 20-plus years, but I bet he's changed enough. Because he does learn and evolve, but they're just not big swings. One of those things, like this year around Christmas, he learned something. He's like, we're not doing this right. Yeah. And he may not tell us all the reasons and all the details, and you may have to come to Las Vegas and hide over in the corner for 30 seconds and maybe get a little something out of Joe Blameyer, but that's what the job is around them. But he, he knows enough to know that if something's not working, he's going to do something else. And that's also a big key because there are plenty of hard-headed coaches who are just like, I'm going to do it my way. Yeah, but that goes into what I said about the fact that if they had won that game, I'm not sure that it, it, it serves as the same wake-up call because it's like, all right, didn't have our best today, but we were able to get by. And But when you lose the game instead, I really think it does force that introspective look because, look, so much of what the Chiefs struggled that day was not about what the Raiders were doing. I yeah, mean, it was just them. Every team wants to give the opposition credit. You go back and watch that game. It's not about what the Raiders are doing. It's absolutely about what the Chiefs are not doing. Yeah, and not making plays. We were kind of joking about this a couple weeks ago, maybe last week, because Spags has been getting a lot of love. Obviously, he's done a great job this year. Yeah. His players love him and all that. Um, and Andy does change, but slow to change. Like, had the Chiefs beaten the Patriots in 18 and D. Ford wasn't offsides, would they have fired Bob Sutton? I mean, he deserved to be fired. But how do you fi- – and what if they had gone and won the Super Bowl, which they very easily could have yeah. won the Super Bowl against the Rams. It's Maybe that like that's a – a Christmas Day, too. If you, if you yeah. didn't lose the game, you're not going to make the change. If you didn't do this, because it's like wild how everything has just kind of worked out and Spags was available and they fired Bob Sutton, but if D. Ford was offside. I mean, can you really fire the defensive coordinator or Super Bowl champion? I, I guess you could. Yeah, I've wondered that, too, actually, because I don't think I don't think that it happens. I mean, I, I think people just it, – it it's not the main problem anymore. I mean, so you got to pray uh, – Back in on 810 WHB, sounds like, uh, I'm here with Curtis, this is Adam Dravetta, by the way, sounds like Todd and Sam are having some issues, they're live on Radio Row, um, we are going to actually just fire to break, Curtis, yeah, and uh, we'll, step we'll aside. break, and uh, we'll try to get all that situated, and hopefully, after break, the next voices you hear will be Sam McDowell and Todd Lebo, till then, this is Adam on 810 WHB, we'll be back with more of the program. All right, the Joe's Kansas City Barbecue Burnt, end of the hour answer. What was significant? This is a question I've used before, but it's been a few years. What was significant about Percy Howard's touchdown catch for Dallas near the end of Super Bowl X against Pittsburgh? Percy Howard's touchdown. Yeah. I know the Cowboys at one point had a 
like Robert Newhouse threw a touchdown to someone. Was it that mm-hmm. game or is that mm-hmm. a different game? Mm-hmm. That, was, that was Super Bowl twelve. Yeah, this was okay. this was from Roger Stolbach. Dallas is trying to rally from being down twenty-one ten. He hits Percy Howard in the final couple of minutes from thirty-four yards out to make it twenty-one seventeen, which would eventually be the final score. What was significant about his touchdown catch? Was this? I would uh, say that it came in a Super Bowl. Besides, I know. That. Um, I know there was a movie called Two Minute Warning that mm-hmm. they filmed on the sideline of that. Was did this end up in the movie? Mm-mm. What's what significant it? about it was that it was his only reception in his NFL career. Oh, he played one year that? for the Cowboys, had a couple of punt returns. He was in there at the end. I think they had a Golden Richards had gotten hurt, I believe. And so he was in there as they were spreading it out, trying to come back. And Roger Staubach hit Percy Howard for a touchdown, the only catch of his NFL career. By the way, they got the ball back and were trying Hail Marys at the end. One of them bounced off his helmet, so he could have had two, including a Hail Mary hit the gun. Uh, but it was not to be. So I've, I've always found Poor that kind of fascinating so to me. Bad. Oh, yeah. It was, they've had a rough life. Well, they have of late, but yeah. they weren't they weren't suffering yeah. in the 70s. We say of late. Is that 30 years? Is that what you call it? I think it? of late, yeah. Oh, no. Considering I've been in the business now 20, I'll be 28 years in uh, in uh, June, and I have yet to cover the no Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys in, a, yeah. in a conference championship game. Much less that, yeah. Yeah, wild. Thank you, Curtis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam McDowell, the KC Stars, here with us down here on Radio Rosar. We had a little blip there at the end of the last segment. Um it's our best stuff. It was it was amazing. It was really really amazing stuff. Sam, what um, what we I know I know you and Seren talked about this last week. I'm not going to ask you to tell me if someone's a a goat or what a dynasty is, but this is kind of a a big deal type thing. I think the Chiefs are definitely a dynasty, making what they've done with the conference championship games. But there's certainly something about being three and one or two and two in Super Bowls. Right, and then this is where you kind of can make that move to where you give yourself a little breathing room to get back to 500, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think. Look, I mean, every Super Bowl is a big deal, and for that reason, that record's a big deal. I just look at it like as this individual postseason from a Patrick Mahomes standpoint. I mean, I there's there's nothing you could take away if they go this route and win the championship. I mean, oh, it's, it's sure. the hardest route in NFL history. A team that had never played on the road before, and there was doubt about whether or not they could win on the road. They went on the road twice. Um, you know, there's thoughts what, you know, they had the number one seed. They had the advantageous path. They played the worst teams going to the playoffs. They had, let's let's face it, they had some breaks along the way. I mean, they played the Titans in an AFC championship game one year as a five seed. Um, they're underdogs twice. These are the three best teams in the NFL. The, the Ravens, the 49ers, and the Bills over the course of the regular season. I know people would be surprised maybe by the Bills because they were 6-6 six and six at one point. But statistically, like, deeper into deep the analytics, those were the three best teams. The Chiefs have a chance to knock them all off. And Not so, any of them at Arrowhead State. Yeah, and so I think whether this was his first title, whether he gets six, I still think that we'll look back and say that was his most difficult one if he's able to pull this one off. And, and you know, on the other side, Andy Reid as well, you know, he's had such a storied career. And, listen, it was successful in Philadelphia. But he didn't win a title in Philadelphia. He went to five conference championship games, many of them at home, lost some of those, made a Super Bowl, lost it. You know, and you come here to Kansas City. If you go back and look through his career, he had a long stretch of not 
making the conference championship did, game yeah. in the the middle of his career, the end of Philly. In the, the he had a losing record City. in the playoffs before Patrick Mahomes came. Yeah, close, but losing, right? It wasn't like Marty yeah. Schottenheimer, but it was sub five hundred, sub five hundred, yeah. and that's what we call losing. That's what we losing. Well, there's losing and there's there's losing <laughs> records. Um, uh, he, I think those are losers' records. Losers, this is just losing, records. losing. He. Um, he doesn't ever talk about caring about anything like that. He's just even Steven. Doesn't care about something happened three weeks ago. It's all about let's go for this this next game. And listen, probably no one's gonna catch Bill Belichick, I don't think. But the way to do that is to keep coaching Patrick Mahomes. He'll have a pretty good chance to do it. He's already been asked today, he'll get asked probably three more times this week about when are you gonna retire? Because this stuff just pops up for him now. He said today, hey listen, whatever. Today's not the day. Clark Hunt was on earlier with with uh, Jay Sanders. He's got I got no inkling that Coach yeah. Reed is going to stop coaching. He doesn't look to me like anyone who likes this any less than he's ever liked it. Why would he stop doing this? Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's always like personal stuff. I think that we're not privy to. So if if something like that would happen, I think that's what we'd all point to and say we weren't aware of X, whatever that might be. Um, but he certainly has waited his entire life to, to coach a player like Patrick Mahomes. And, I mean, this streak is unprecedented in his career. It's only the second time a team's ever had this sort of six-year run in NFL. Third time, two other another team had had six, and the, the Patriots had eight. Um, but, I mean, statistically, given the gap that the Patriots had, and their three and then then later three championships, it has the opportunity to have, like, the greatest, like, decade run of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a long way to go to make that happen. But this... By the end of it, like they're in that territory. That's that's still that's still alive. It's, it's still a possibility. And, and winning Sunday makes it a lot better. We talked about this when when Patrick Mahomes faced Tom Brady in the the Super Bowl in the, the COVID year. It's like, all right, you know, if you're gonna you want to beat the goat, you, you get a chance to beat the goat. That's minus one for him, plus one for yeah. you. And it's pretty crazy. Tom Brady's greatest of all time, winning wise, all that stuff. But. His last two championships, one of them was literally the result of beating the Patrick Mahomes team. Yeah. And the other one he ended up winning two weeks later. If, if Mahomes had found a way to win those championships, now it's a, you're already, like, about there. Yeah, I think. But we, that's Brady's yeah, we, Brady, man. You didn't, yeah, we would be it. having that conversation. But I'll tell you what stands out most to me about that is that Tom Brady got one that he shouldn't have gotten. Yeah. And there were multiple like that. In fact, I, I had looked it up, and of his uh, uh, seven rings, and four of them, he was an underdog at some point that postseason. Like, he got rings that he was not favored to get. And that's the opportunity before Patrick Mahomes this weekend. Is he can get one that he, he entered the playoffs. This was not supposed to be the Chiefs year, which is, I mean, what stood out to me about the last two weeks. Like, the AFC, the rest of the, that's what the rest of the AFC's perspective has to be right now is this is the year we were supposed to get him. And, and these if guys we are here. If we yeah. can't get him this year, then when will it happen? I absolutely think the rest of the conference is looking at this Super Bowl pretty deflated that with all the Chiefs went through this year, they're, they're still the team that's representing the AFC this weekend. We're talking to Sam McDowell, the Kansas City Star, and Sam... Um I know you can't get enough Taylor Swift talk. Right. Right. Yes. And it is interesting, you know, like you said, 
be happy that you deal with us on a, on a weekly basis because no one really asks much of any of these guys about that stuff. You get down here, that's what it is. You know, um, it's it's pretty crazy that, like, this is what but Travis has said this before. He made his own bet here. He didn't have to go out and try to date Taylor Swift, but he did. And apparently they really like each other. And that's if it, the worst he gets is media questions. Um, that's not that's not the worst thing in the world. It's it's really not. But he has done, I think, a decent enough job at handling all of this stuff. He doesn't, and I think he's, you know, maybe with our, our local stuff, sometimes like I'm not going to talk after a game or whatever. Yeah, frequently. Not like. Uh, there are rules about this or whatever. They're supposed to be available here and there. But it's not been the end of the world, I guess. I, I think this is going to be something that happens more and more in the NFL and professional sports because you've got your own outlet. You've got a podcast that people care about. Save the juice for that, right? I think, like, the, the lesson from, from all of that, like, from our perspective is I thought that the NFL was, like, the biggest thing in the world. Because you look at the cable ratings at the end of every year, it's what, like 95 of the top 100 yeah. shows of the season, something like that. Like, I did not think the NFL could be topped. And it, it feels like the NFL is fitting into that world as much as that world is fit into the NFL. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. And, and that's what I love about the way the NFL works is you literally have a, a tight end, not the most glamorous position in the world, in the 35th market in the world, who somehow is dating one of the top five most famous entertainers in the world. I think what you're saying is she didn't like consider his, you know, his his market cap whenever <laughs> whenever she started this relationship. You're saying she should have. No, I'm not. I'm just saying that this smells like generally. Should, you think she should date a New York Jet? But that's how it generally has worked best. Here's a here's a famous top five big city somebody who's dating somebody. You know what I mean? And uh, that's the cool part about the NFL. Like they had 50 million people watch the Bills and the Chiefs play a football game. Yeah, doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter what city the team's And the reason in. there's 50 million people watching is because those cities can have Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes be on their team for more than six years. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The I other mean, sports maybe get in, involved in that or no? I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's the, what the beauty of uh, the sport is. Like, this isn't supposed to happen. And, look, I mean, what the, that's why what the Chiefs are doing right now is not supposed to happen. This week I actually looked up. To, to see just how unusual their, their roster is constructed in comparison at least to the other championship game participants. The Chiefs played in the AFC Championship one top 20 pick in the game, which was Patrick Mahomes. One in the whole game. Now, they have two others on the roster. Blaine Gabbert was also picked 10th, right. didn't play. Didn't. Kadarius Tony was picked 20th, didn't play didn't last play. week. The 49ers, Lions, and uh, Ravens, Two, like, and I, I can't remember the exact which teams, but two of them had seven play. Right. The other one had six. So all three of them had at least six top 20 picks play in the game. The Chiefs had one. And it's because, look, I mean, it's it's the punishment for being good is you're not picking you the top pick 20. There, yeah. You've got to acquire them in other methods, which some of these other yeah, teams. Two of those you mentioned, they didn't pick. Yeah, didn't. So, I mean, some of these other teams have acquired these guys in other methods. Um but it just shows you the Chiefs are not here in the conventional route. Like, they're here because of Patrick Mahomes and because the depth of their drafts has been so good. I don't know if I've ever asked you this question before, but I've, I've had this theory about the Chiefs, and I think it really held true four years ago or something, and I think it still holds true today, which is the best part of the Chiefs, is that they their best Mahomes. players, well, that, but 
the, many of their best players were not you know, on a Netflix series in high school and were five-star players who went to whatever school. Right. Patrick Mahomes was a three-star guy who didn't have a lot of offers. Yeah. Travis Kelsey didn't grow up wanting to be a Cincinnati Bearcat, I promise you. You grew up in Cleveland. He wasn't getting phone calls from Ohio State. Um, you know, Chris Jones was a five-star kid, but it wasn't Alabama. It was Mississippi State. They've had a lot of those kind of things. I looked this up. Uh, Legereus Sneed was ranked 87th in his recruiting class in the state of Louisiana, right, yeah. not the nation. Yeah. And they've continued to add those guys to this. And what you have to have is even though Travis Kelsey is the best tight end and Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback, they still play like they're three-star players yeah. who, who no one wants. Yeah. How do I, they keep that going? So I, I actually, this came up last week when I went through the locker room in Baltimore because I was trying to basically get at how is a team that's reached six consecutive AFC championship games embrace an underdog mentality? It's completely foreign to every guy on this roster. And so uh, first guy I talked to was Nick Bolton, and he goes, as a team, we might not have been an underdog into this season. He said, but this whole room is made up of guys that have been underdogs. I was like, all right, that, that sounds kind of like a cool story, but let's, let's, let's dig into it. And that's where I came up with the stat I mentioned earlier. But you go through their, their – Nick their, Bolton was like a two- or three-star player. Right. From uh, Texas, not getting sniffs from – One SEC school basically wanted him. Yeah. Um, so you look, you look through their roster. Travis Kelsey, you just mentioned, he was a two-star recruit, mm-hmm. third-round pick. Rashi Rice was a three-star recruit um, who told me – that it wasn't until his junior year of college where he realized he was even going to make the NFL. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, seventh-round pick. Joe Tooney, their all-pro offensive lineman, third-round pick. Chris Jones, second-round pick. You mentioned Legereus Sneed, two-star recruit. Bolden, who, before he got hurt, and then also last year was a leading tackler, got an offer just one SEC school, thought he could play. And it seems like I might be cherry-picking guys, but that's the quarterback, the Hall of Fame tight end, the leading rusher, the leading receiver, the all-pro, the only all-pro offensive lineman, um, the team leader in sacks, the team leader in tackles, and I think the most clearly the most valuable player of their secondary. That's that list I just mentioned, and none of them are these highly touted players coming out of high school or even coming into the NFL other than Patrick Mahomes and once he finally gets the NFL. And they keep this mentality, right, yes. throughout the entire thing. And that's why Tom Brady was great for 20 years because he still in his head was like, exactly. I'm pick number one, you win, six, you win six championships, and like that, it's ingrained in you, right? Yeah. Like it, it doesn't leave you. And you have to keep it because otherwise – when you when you win something, you get soft, and you don't. And so far, that has not happened with these guys. And I don't think it will happen because of those leadership positions. Yeah. I, I guess. And I, I, you know, even when it's interesting, I when I first started thinking about this, like Tyron Matthews is a big recruit, but he also got kicked out of his college, and he had to get picked in the third or fourth round. And Tyreek Hill was not recruited. The SEC schools wouldn't touch him. He had to go to three colleges. I mean, all of these guys are out there. The one guy who was like, when they started getting good, McCole Harbin was like a five star guy. Went to Georgia. Big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he still probably wasn't the best wide receiver on the team. And you know, I mean, you still get that stuff. But they have had so many guys. Guys who even like Eric freaking Fisher was the overall number one pick of the draft, but he went to Central Michigan. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. it, it was like it was like that, and they have to keep that, and that's why I think they've been so good. I think they look for those guys. I think I they too. look like for those guys. The quote that we hear a lot after drafts is, "This guy loves football." Mm-hmm. But this is the part that matters. This is like it's it, look. There's there's no. 
there's no way to quantify the exact value of it, but I think it would be foolish just to say, okay, there's no way to exactly measure it, so that means it's 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 not valuable. Like, there is a value to it, and this year's team more – like, that's the differentiator between the first five teams that made the AFC Championship and this one, the first three that made the Super Bowl and this one. It's, it's that this group had to embrace that mentality. Yeah, and they've had to go out and earn it. I mean, they, you earn it every year. Every game's hard, all that. But this is like a real live <laughs> – Earn it absolutely, yeah. and, and 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 I know they all kind of they all kind of thought you know you could kind of rally this thing. They say the right things. All I've been talking to Jalen Watson last night, and I was like, you know, everyone's been talking about Christmas. I said, what was Christmas night like for you? You got home, you know, yeah, wasn't that much fun, man? Yeah, they were that that ruined people. Chiefs fans were like, ah, oh, ruined my Christmas. It ruined a lot of Christmases in that locker room. Yeah, and I remember talking to Matt Nagy afterwards, and uh, they had scheduled to like open gifts that night, and didn't do it. Yeah, nobody in the family had any interest. In Christmas is canceled, right. kids. That's exactly happen. what it is. Sam McDowell of the Kansas City Star is with us on Radio Row on the program on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back in. Welcome back in. Todd Lebo and Sam McDowell on Radio Row. In Las Vegas, Sam, big press conference today. Everyone from the Star is here in the Super Bowl. Uh, you, you, the, entire, Jaylen, the entire newspaper. Jalen was uh, Jalen Thompson was out there, but it was it a little like like all your columnists. You guys are all out here, and Bobby Witt's got two hundred eighty million dollars. Like timing's not great, but this was a a watershed moment for this franchise it to is, make this yeah. deal yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it's also, but to your point, the fact that we're here, like, what an incredible 24 hours for Kansas City. Wild. To have their football team landing in Las Vegas, the baseball team that they've been disappointed in for the last six, seven years to make the biggest move of its history, you know, like, not literal move, since we'll be talking about the literal move, um, but then, you know, they, they landed six World Cup games on yeah, Sunday, too. I like, the World Cup is coming to Kansas City. Like, I, I don't I, I really don't think that some people uh, grasp just how huge of a deal that is. I, I also yes, thought there would be, like, four three games. Quarter, like, one of the four quarterfinals. Like, that team could easily, two games later, be the champion, the best soccer team in the world. In the world. Going to be playing in Kansas City. It's wild, man. It's been pretty crazy. Um, I know the Royals, if we had Clark Hunt on here with Jason Anderson, you guys had a chance to talk to him as well. When we talk about the Royals, I think it's not like transparent or whatever, but listen, signing Bobby Witt is good business for the Royals if they're going to ask people to say yes on April 2nd. Absolutely, yes. It's absolutely good business. Yes. I think the Chiefs want the Royals. They want this to pass. I think they're really behind this. They want it to pass because they want that spot where that stadium is yeah. to do whatever they want with it. Uh, what do you think, what you guys heard from Clark today about the stadium and about what they want to get done out there? Yeah, you're right. We get him uh, usually, you know, the, the, the riders get him once in the um, while he's here uh, for, for the Super Bowl. But, um, look, I mean, I, I had reported last summer that I, I tossed cold water on this idea that they are going to have a dome stadium um, and so today I asked him why. And he said, well, he, he doesn't feel like Arrowhead's replaceable. feels like what has made Arrowhead special are the sight lines, the noise that the bowl creates. Um, doesn't want to lose that. And then he just said, I believe football should be played outside. Um, and so... Um, now, I, th- I think a lot of people are going to say, okay, well, if football can be played outside, you can still have the retractable roof. It doesn't prevent you from hosting other events. Um, I will say, from what I've been told, 
that that's about three times the price tag of the renovation. Yeah. Um, that certainly factors in when you consider that, you know, it's going to be more of a fixed cost as far as what you're going to be receiving mm-hmm. as an organization. And when you've agreed to pay for overruns, you know, I mean, we can't ignore that obviously price has to has to factor into that. And I do think, uh, listen, when you know, Kansas City was awarded a Super Bowl once. I'm old enough to remember when Kansas City was rewarded, were rewarded a Super Bowl so that people would vote Blair, yes. Blair Cookoff was looking at that, uh, that, that article, stumbled upon that article yesterday. And, and, you know, I think since then, since it was awarded, I think this event has become, I don't want to say Kansas City can't host it because Kansas City can do a lot of things, but this may be too much. You know what I mean? I We have a lot of hotel rooms. We ain't got a lot of hotel rooms like like this. Yeah. The World Cup will be a challenge on that front, but, you know, it's a regional type thing, kind of in and out. I think maybe Clark Hunt in his heart of hearts knows that Kansas City may not be the best place to have a Super Bowl. I don't know. I guess they don't care about Final Fours and care if the money's going to come in this way or that, but... I don't know. It's interesting that he doesn't care on that dome part of it because I do think a Final Four would work well in Kansas City. Yeah, just the know. history of the NCAA here. I mean, the Hall of Fame here for a reason. I right? would like to have uh, all Final Fours played in sensible arenas myself, but that's yeah. not going back. That's not going to happen that way. Um, so I, I guess I get their side of that. I think they've got some plans for the parking lot. They got some plans for some things out there, and yeah, they, they like, want to have it. The done. money is mostly going to go towards what what they call like fan anemones. I mean, it's like fan experience type stuff that really. I mean, look, I go to a lot of football stadiums, and yes, when you walk through some of these other stadiums, most of them do have the wow factor that you know Arrowhead Stadium's wow factors. Once you put the fans inside of it, it's not the empty stadium itself that you have. I mean, look, Allegiant Stadium is a great place. Um, it's a it's a really cool stadium. And yesterday, the only people walking through those concourses are us. I mean, it's like media type people. You're still like this is a pretty cool place. Pretty cool place. And with Arrowhead Stadium, it's the atmosphere, it's the environment. Like that has what what is you know for the past quarter century of the past fifty years has, has made it uh, really special. I know you have an official pick later, probably. In the paper, what's your thoughts right now? Where we are, Chiefs going to win this game? Yeah, I think so. Um, oddly, I'm picking the exact same score that I picked the last two weeks, uh, which is 23-20. I do think Steve Spagnuolo is going to give Brock Purdy some stuff he probably hasn't seen before. Now, Brock Pur- Purdy's really good against blitzes, but Spagnuolo's really good at disguising them. I think my key to the Chiefs is Brock Purdy is going to throw the ball to you. You better catch it when he does. And they caught the balls last week, and that's why they beat good the Rams. Sam McDowell, thanks for coming by, buddy. Appreciate All right, Christian McCaffrey has scored a touchdown in each of his first six career postseason games. Two players scored in each of their first seven. Name either. Brought to you by Good Sense.